Have you tried every diet? Do you struggle with gaining and losing the same 10 pounds month after month, year after year, just feeling burned out? Maybe you suspect your hormones are out of balance and to blame for making you feel crazy. I'm Emily Murphy, nutritionist, hormone expert, and weight loss coach, and I'm here to help you understand how to get your body back to balance, lose weight without crazy crash diets, and thrive through midlife and beyond. If you're ready to learn how to look and feel your best, you're in the right place. This is Health, Hormones, and Done with Dieting. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Emily Murphy, and today I'm joined by Darby Horton, who is a registered dietitian, and we are going to be talking about GLP-1 medications. Now, you may have heard of them. Maybe you've heard of Wagovi, Ozempic, Semaglutide, Terzepatide. There are many names where these this class of drugs fall under now. And we're going to talk about the ins and outs and the nutrition side of things, of course, and all the things you may be wondering what I think about them, which is why I really, really wanted to come on here and talk about them in, in this podcast, because so many people have been asking me what I think, and I thought it'd be a great time to open up this discussion. So welcome, Darby. Let's uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself here. Yes. Thank you for having me, Emily. It's so great to be here. Um, my name is Darby, obviously, and um, I'm also known as the GLP-1 dietitian. Um, I specifically work with clients that are on GLP-1 medications from compounded to um, prescribed. They're all prescribed, obviously, but all prescribed medications. And we're really working on long-term um, lifestyle and nutrition goals to really prolong the weight loss on these medications minimize side effects, maximize weight loss results, and really see, you know, the big picture. What are we looking at five to 10 years from now um, on these medications? And how can we do that with the help of nutrition? Yeah, awesome. So wow. to explain GLP-1s a little more, GLP-1s are glucagon-like peptide one medications. They're a class of drugs that are used to treat type 2 diabetes and obesity. They can help with weight loss through a few different mechanisms. So, and jump in, um, Darby, if you have any other suggestions, I have some things written down here. Um, appetite suppression being one yeah. of them, right? And um, produce it, it, GLP-1 is a hormone produced in the intestines um, in response to your food intake. So when you take the GLP-1 medication, it mimics the action of the hormones and helps reduce appetite by signaling to the brain that you're full and satisfied. Is that right? Yeah. And also, you know, the food noise, we're really seeing that the way it affects the brain. We're not experiencing the want to go and maybe overeat as we have in the past. We're really being tempted by say the food, even after you're physically full, we may sometimes experience off of the medication, the want to keep eating. Yeah. So really the brain is being signaled like I'm not hungry anymore. 
Yeah. And people ask like, so, I mean, and we're, I'm going over these because people ask like, how does it help you actually lose weight? Right. So, um, it also slows down gastric emptying. So it can slow down the emptying of the stomach's contents into the small intestine. This makes you feel full for longer. Again, back to the food noise where, you know, you're always just not hungry, right? You're always not thinking about food because your body has slowed down that digestion time. Um, regulating blood sugar. This is another big one, right? So if we can regulate our blood sugar in these up and down spikes all day, again, you know, not feeling the hunger, the crash, the hunger, the crash, um, and really just helping stabilize the body, which also helps other hormones fall right. in line, right? And you talk it's about like your your hormone journey, right, in this also? Yes. And, you know, especially for my insulin resistant and PCOS clients, you know, that have those issues with regulating blood sugar because of their um, disease state, this is a wonderful medication to be on to really help that. And I can talk a little bit about my personal journey if that's Yeah, I'd love that. Go ahead. Yeah. So I had my daughter and about six months later in September, it's important to note that I was no longer breastfeeding at this time. You don't want to be breastfeeding on the medication. But that we're trying to get pregnant, right? Exactly. Yes. yes. Let's preface that a disclaimer there. But um, I was just kind of at a standstill. I didn't know what to do anymore. The the weight was just not coming off. And I felt miserable. I could not keep up with my daughter. She was beginning to crawl. There was a lot going on. And I just talked to my doctor and I was just like, you know, I, I'm having a hard time, much harder than I did previously. And as someone with PCOS and your hormones really at times can be great. And sometimes they're just not. And so Why don't, explain PCOS to some people that might not understand what that is, because some, some people listening might, um, if you're not familiar with it, um, I have people, women diagnosed in middle age with it that have realized after 10 or 15 years, they've been living with symptoms. Nobody's diagnosed them. So go ahead and put that out there for everyone. PCOS can look differently for everybody. For me, you know, it can display itself in a lot of effects. You know, it can come in the form of um, just really painful periods. You can have cysts on your ovaries. Those were my symptoms and also weight gain. There's a lot of other factors that go into that. So it's really hard to give an umbrella statement because there are types of PCOS. Um, but for me, that was just really painful periods, the weight gain, just a lot going on. Um, and I had also not gotten my cycle back at this point yet either. So again, just a lot of hormones up and down. Um, it can cause my- fertility issues also. Yes. And and that's really funny that you mentioned that. I did not think that we were going to be able to get pregnant. And my daughter was a little bit of a surprise, which was wonderful, but it really does cause a hard time. And I've got lots of wonderful colleagues in um, the dietitian space that do work with those specifically with PCOS that are able to help others conceive as I'm sure you've been able to help others working with them in hormones. But um, I was able to get on the medication. So I did start Manjaro and lost 40 pounds and was able to keep it off. So um, because of some insurance issues, as many people that are on these GLP-1 medications know, no longer was covered, had to get off. Luckily, as an RD, I had the tools at this point to be able to manage my weight because I had really found while being on a GLP-1 medication, there's just not nutrition support for those on these medications. There's um, I found that some RDs don't really know 
what to do with you if you're on the medication. Um, some maybe don't have support systems or know where to find help. And I thought as a dietitian with everything in my tool belt, like if I'm having a hard time, imagine how the average person that has no nutritionologist feeling on the medication, along with having a hard time battling their insurance, getting support from family and community that may not necessarily be supportive of their journey. So after all that, my weight loss, I thought like, this is really the space I need to be in to help others on these medications. So since then, I've been in private practice helping many, many women specifically um, on these medications. And it's just been wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me about you deciding to go on the medication and even having the tools that you already did. You were already helping people lose weight. And what was the deciding factor for you? It was not a decision that I made in the doctor's office, I will say. I took quite a bit of time because at this moment, it was not as widely accepted and known about. We were getting to the brink of that moment. So this was in 2022. So over a year ago in September and just really thinking, okay, like what are the long-term side effects? Like, what do I need to know? I'm looking at resources, which are slim to none. Um, looking at social media, which we know, you know, people are posting their journeys. I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe there's a dietitian out there that does this, that can shed some light on this, or maybe a telehealth company is creating content. I just didn't really find a lot of information. Yeah. But what I did know was that I could either continue on the journey I was on and potentially have long-term health risks as the weight continued to progress, mm-hmm. or I could take a chance and go for it. And my doctor was supportive to me. That was a red, a, a green flag because he's has been my doctor for as long as I can remember. And I really trust him. It's very, very important to have a trusted clinician during this process. So once I did some research and um, even talked to a few people that I had been connected with that I did not know were on the medication. And they said, you know, I've really had a life change. Like this has been really the golden answer for me. And they were almost in tears with how much it had helped them that I was just like, you know, what have I got to lose? Yeah. Yeah. And that was my exposure at first to it. Other people having been on it prescribed uh, by their doctors and, and then also coming to me now for nutrition advice, they'd hit plateaus or they still knew they didn't know how to eat and manage their, their health and hormones, even with the help of the GLP-1 medication, the semaglutide or Ozempic or Wagovi, whatever they're taking, right? They still knew they were trying to always just eat less, which, you know, we talked about is a side effect, right? (laughs) But shouldn't be your overall goal. And there's that fine line we've got to figure out with dosing. And the stories though, like yourself, that I started hearing when I started asking and started digging in were just such of such relief for people that I knew had when, when you're a health coach, when you're in this space of nutrition and talking to people about wellness, people talk to you. And I have had people that have talked to me for years about their struggles and all of the things that, that have gone on that, and I can't fix everything. So after just struggling for so many years, hearing so many testimonies of relief of people that just needed something to help their body. 
And not that there's ever one thing, guys. I don't want to paint this picture of like, this is the magic shot or magic pill because there, there still is work that needs to be done. But this is something that could help people. So... So you decided to take it. So I'll talk about my story a little too. When I started talking to people and getting all this positive, just really great feedback and testimony, I was like, all right, well, we had the ability, we have the ability to prescribe it. So I thought, well, if, if I have access to it, let me go ahead and try it myself. So I do not need to lose any weight, but hey, if there was something that could help me stop some of the food noise, then, hey, let me see what it what this is like. I started out on a very low dose. I did experience some nausea and sickness really quickly, and I lowered my dose. <laughs> so I was I started out at a very low dose and then actually went lower. Um, just felt nauseous, kind of like I was on a boat or like the beginning stages. I was very sick when I was pregnant. My first few, my first trimester, I was very sick. And that's what some people can describe it as. So I lowered the dose and felt fine. Um, really felt like I, I guess, could make it longer between meals without eating. When I sat down to eat, um, I could eat my food and feel totally satisfied. That's what another thing that, you know, sometimes you eat and you're like, you knew it was enough food you did. And you're still like, "Mm, I'd like to eat something else just for the hell of it. We all are still like that guys. And I, it's not, people think sometimes that I don't love food. Like I love food just like everybody else. <laughs> That's not how I, sh- I don't right. stay in shape because I don't love food, right? I just, you know, manage this all at a level of really not being obsessed with it, but I am aware of what I need to do and I execute. So this helped me helped with some of that i guess you'd call it food noise too where i didn't have i don't have a lot of stress or anxious eating or anything like that um though my clients and patients that do say that this helps that immensely right that where when they're stressed they don't find themselves turning to food which we work on too inside the program anyway, which still leaves the need for other coping mechanisms. We still need those things to relieve ourselves of stress, but not turning to food at the drop of the hat really can make a difference because those calories add up. And if we're trying to get into a calorie deficit in order to lose weight, I mean, it's going to add up week to week, month to month. So I started on it. So I've stayed at a really low dose. Um, I've skipped weeks. When I felt like I didn't need it, I did start to see my energy drop a little bit. I I lost three to four pounds. When I lost that weight, I noticed my energy in the gym start to drop. And I took some weeks off because I wasn't willing to sacrifice. Like when I can go hard in the gym, I don't want that to be taken away from me. So as somebody at maintenance, I was able to just say, you know, I'll skip, came in again, lower dose. So Do you work out on the GLP-1? I think it's really important to note that this is also why we preach protein. (laughs) My clients probably feel like um, I just joke and say I'm like a gym bro. I'm like protein, protein. But, um, you know, the side effects of muscle wasting and hair loss, um, we really, really want to minimize those side effects. So 
educating my clients on why it's important that they eat these macronutrients and the ratios in which we really talk about um, in my program is called the GLP one girls guide. Um, so that's really what we talk about a lot is, is why are we needing to eat more protein to minimize those side effects? So um, strength training is also very important. You mentioned exercise. So I'm doing that three to four days a week. Um, some of my clients are not quite capable of that point yet because they may have a larger amount of weight to lose and that's hard for them. But what I do want to say is to where, whatever you're going to do, just pick something and do it. Maybe you're just going to walk. 15 minutes after each meal. And that's where you start. That is okay. We don't need to make these changes at one time. And then you're overwhelmed because that's diet culture. And that's where we got, that's how we got here in the first place. A lot of right, times. Right. So, you know, I'm, if we're talking about increasing protein, maybe we're not going to hit a hundred grams. As soon as we start working together, maybe we're going to inch our way up to 80 and yeah. 90 and then a hundred, you know, so we're really giving ourselves grace this process, but working out really can be an important component of the puzzle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just because we need movement for our bodies. I mean, so sure. walking, whatever you are doing now, I say, you know, if we can step that up little by little, we'll be okay. We don't need to go balls to the wall. You don't start right. GLP one and join boot camp gym That's and right. get your ass kicked <laughs> for an hour, right? You don't want to do all of these things. It's too much stress on the body anyway. And it's, it's okay. We've got to just take things, you know, step-by-step step, figure out how your body's going to react, focus on things like protein. And you're right. It takes me. And I tell people coming into my program, it usually takes us three weeks for, for somebody to be able to consistently hit their protein goal. Because they come back next week and they're like, I didn't do it this week. And it's like, that's okay. You weren't supposed to. You were supposed to hit, right, 25 grams more than you eat now without being on a program, right? That's all. And people think we have to do it all or it's not worth doing. And so we just got to slow our brains down and give ourselves the grace to slowly make changes that will stick, that will stick. Um, so let's talk about eating on GLP-1s. We've talked about protein. So let's talk about the other macronutrients. Um, because one of the things that I find um, across the board with women is that we're afraid of carbs and we want to cut all the carbs out. Do we have to do that on GLP-1 medication? No, I definitely don't think so. Carbs are not the enemy. And I have many clients that have immersed themselves in diet culture for so long They've been told intermittent fasting, which I'm not knocking, but everybody is different age, race, you know. I knock it for women all the time around here. So that's okay. If you're, I mean, usually women are stressed out. All the studies that they've done on intermittent fasting have been on college aged men, um, boys, and we aren't them. So it's it's okay to knock fasting around here. <laughs> yes, but you know, they, they're from that diet culture, like you said, where keto is everything, or they've been on keto for years and it's so hard to retrain their brain to think yeah. carbs are not the enemy. Now we're talking about how many carbs we need to be eating mm -hmm. and um, you know what that looks like on a balanced plate, but they're not the enemy. We want to have complex carbohydrates, really good fiber. We want to practice these principles now so that whenever, whenever they're off the medication or maintaining their weight at a maintenance dose that they're able to eat in a way that's sustainable. So, I mean, people are going to always want carbs. I know, you know, so if you're on keto, you're not going to eat keto for the rest of your life, but you don't magically get to lose the weight and then go back to how you were eating and it's normal and it's all fine. Yeah. So you really have to do think about the longevity of the GLP-1 medication, how we can work with it 
to make it work better for our bodies and to also be able to maintain the weight long-term with those principles. So this is going to help you maintain your blood sugar, your, your blood sugar stability around carbohydrates because carbohydrates are going to be the biggest thing that swing your blood sugar. So if you can use this to be able to eat carbs the right amount for your body and your activity level. Now don't go crazy because Emily said you can eat carbs, but I, I do always say you can just have to figure out what's right for you. But if your body acts better with this, you can still eat them. And that's one of the the selling points, right? That's one of it's going to help your metabolism react as if as if it should, right? As if you were healthy and things were working a little better for you. So you also mentioned fiber and some people don't realize that fiber is a carbohydrate. So when you right. take away all your carbs, you accidentally take away fiber, right? And you, I mean, we experience things like constipation, right? We don't feel full when we don't have enough fiber and um, and things, you know, are, are just a little harder. So it's a big focus inside my program um, wow. for sure is, is fiber and something you would still need here. Now, let's move on to fats because I think that one becomes trickier here. We do pretty low fat in the GLP-1 Girls Guide. And a lot of people are wondering why may that be? Again, that's very hard if you've come from a keto mindset and we're not anti-fat, but the reason being for side effects. So if you know anything about GLP-1s, you may know that in your first dose, you may have experienced constipation or diarrhea or stomach upset or nausea. So we really want to eat at a minimum of fat at a certain point, and then we may up that, right? So I always like to start my clients at a specific amount and then we'll go up from there, but really also around your injection days and at your moment of increase of your dose. We want to be mindful of the fat intake before and after those days because your body's really learning how to react to a higher dose of the medication. And so like, oh man, like I didn't have a hard time with fat on, say you're on Manjaro at five milligrams, but if you're on 7.5 now, and you're having a hard time. You're like, wow. So I really try to educate my clients as time goes on. There's a reason that we we do this mm-hmm. and when it's important. And so maybe you can eat a little bit more fat, you know, three days after your injection, if you're on that injection for, let's say, four weeks. And so that may vary, but it's not yeah. the end you know, but we want to have good fats, healthy, fats. but it's so crazy. And we do always want to have some fats, right? That is the sure. start and where the production of our hormones start, right? With exactly. healthy fats going in, in, uh, and our cholesterol is the building blocks of our hormones. So we, we don't, we can't take away any major macronutrient. So stop trying to do all that, no matter what you're on or not on, right. <laughs> stop trying to cut everything out. It's amazing, amazing, amazing to me that doctors don't give people these instructions. I mean, they are coming to me and I'm sure to you too, like you said, because there aren't guides, there aren't not even a simple worksheet or a guide, like give them something. (laughs) I was talking with another dietitian and there's really, as an RD, there is no guideline, even from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics on what this looks like. So these aren't new medications. Let's just say that also. But I mean, from a weight loss perspective, I mean, they're just not really sure you're not going to treat your diabetic patient on these medications who are equally as deserving of having them as someone that needs them for weight loss. Mm -hmm. We treat that a little bit differently, but I just 
don't think that there's enough resources out there, but these doctors, sometimes I say, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so for them to manage all of these um, people, all these medications and prescribing and keeping up with those changes and even insurance is probably a lot for them too. So I always try to see, you know, what's going on there as well, but that's why it's really important as health care professionals and people in the nutrition space to step up and really help educate those on these medications and even come alongside doctors and say like, Hey, what can I do to support you? Um, I've partnered with several clinics in my area and I've began to provide some nutrition, um, like even just one pagers. It's yeah, just some right, just a worksheet. I mean, yeah, it's something. I mean, so even if they're not able to find a dietitian that their insurance covers, or maybe they're not able to financially work with somebody, at least they've got something to say, like, this is a starting point. Now it's not everything, but it is a place to go. So that is something that I think we should be doing more of as, as dietitians and um, health professionals. Well, yeah, I guess I feel like the responsibility to help people preserve their muscle is just everything. It, yeah, is everything. So not telling, you know, people, women, especially how important protein is in this journey where it's not just cutting all your calories and trying to lose as much weight as you can, because if you're losing weight and usually when we lose a lot of weight fast, when you see it on the scale, if it's more than two to three pounds a week, you could be sacrificing muscle. And we just never, ever, ever, ever want to lose our muscle. That is the, <laughs> the thing we want to hang on to so badly. And I know when you're hearing that and you're looking down at the scale next week, you're going to be like, you know, I want faster weight loss. We all do. Yes. But not at the expense that it makes our metabolism slower. It makes our body less metabolically flexible, right? And, and not great for us at all. As we, as we age, we just, we need our muscles so bad. So we've talked about negative side effects. We've talked about eating and the different macros. Let's talk about what happens when you reach your goal weight on a GLP-1 medication. So of course, I mean, some people think, and I've had this response as, you know, any other fad diet or anything that's come around like HCG, like fentermine, like medical weight loss, whatever, you know, if you stop it, will you gain the weight back? This is right. the golden question. question. I think everyone wants to know. And it's the number one question that I ask my clients because I really don't know that everyone that takes this medication thinks in that capacity. Mm -hmm. now, they just see, and this is not everyone, they may see that, you know, their next door neighbor or their mom or their best friend has also struggled with their weight. They're losing the weight. Let me do that too. Like, that's great. But I think when you have a perspective of, this is my health and my life and going at it with a long-term perspective of this is not the golden answer, but it is like a great tool and alongside the lifestyle and nutrition changes, it can be life-changing, but there is no promise that you will not have to take this medication as the research shows for the rest of your life to maintain that in some capacity. So I think but it's the research has been done for obesity and Exactly. Diabetes, type two diabetes. So this is you know, not a lot of research on, you know, like your 40 pounds from post-pregnancy weight loss, right? No research there to say, hey, for, you know, women that are postpartum that need to lose weight, there's no research there yet, right? So we don't know. 
Yeah, I think it just really depends on the individual mm-hmm. and really the work that you put in while you're on the medication. And so I think that without that promise and knowing what that looks like for you to do everything you can utilize this as a tool and to really go at it hard and make these lifestyle and mental changes. That is the number one thing I'm working with my clients on is the mental notes of maybe how do they get to this place in the first in the first place? You know, how did we get to this point? And again, a lot of people struggle with obesity for a lot of other factors, not because they just overate. There's oh, a lot right, of- right. We talk hormones on here all the time. A common misconception about those on the medication, but again, there is no promise. That's why it's so important for you to be working with a dietitian or somebody to help you make these changes. Accountability is everything. Yeah. Yeah. I really think you can preach protein, water, and fiber all you want to, but if you're not doing the rest of the work, nutrition is 25% of the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is going to help you with that nutrition piece and it helps you, you know, with a little better functioning metabolism to, have more insulin sensitivity. I didn't cover these in my first initial, um, you know, how does this drug work? That's another way that it does work. And and they're saying that it does reduce, it helps reduce fat storage. So this is a helper, right? To the things that still need to be done. This isn't cutting out the work. This isn't the shortcut that gets you there. Unless then, I mean, if somebody's like thinking about this like that, it's going to be a lifetime medication for you. That is a 100% guarantee. If that's your mindset with it, that you don't have to change anything else. Well, this is a long haul journey for you. Then if you're somebody that is thinking, I'd like to try to use this as a a helper and an assistant to what you are doing and, and help your body along the way. And you want to try to wean yourself off. And I've spoken to other um, dietitians and nutritionists who have taken people off of these very slowly. So it's a very like slow weaning process from what I've, what their personal experiences of talking to people, Um, not just, you know, Hey, we hit that maintenance and we're done slowly taking your body off of it and making sure that you still have those habits in place. But it's, I'm sure, you know, it's, that's a reality for people too, that are wanting to do this, you know, as a help, it's just, you know, we've got to figure out. And that's very subjective. Like what is maintenance? What is like, when do you decide that it is maintenance? Right. So your goal may not weight may not be your best weight. So I think that's something else that I really dig into with my clients, like, because just because you want to be, I hate to throw out an X number, but like, let's say 140 pounds, maybe that to you, you were that 140 pounds in high school. And that's just in your mind, what's best for you? Well, you may get off the medication at 135. You may see your body go up to 145, 150. And that is okay. Mm -hmm. That is a healthy weight to be at. And especially if you're say in your fifties, like your body needs a little bit of extra fat and our bones need that, that cushion as we age. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I think also having a realistic chat with your clients about what that looks like, especially as a clinician, Um, because I'm not taking them off the medication. I obviously advise, like maybe talk to your doctor about titrating down based on certain things you're experiencing, but that conversations between them and the doctor or the practitioner what that looks like, but having that expectation and coming into like, what is this really going to look like? But again, so important to be working with a nutrition professional on this medication to see 
these things that we need to be noting that are not being talked about. Yeah. And I love that talking about ideal weight versus, you know, what you're really willing to, to do and live with. I mean, we could all say our ideal weight, my ideal weight was, I mean, I, I've given it way up now, but I was 115 (laughs) pounds in high school. Like I'm 140 pounds now. There is no way. I mean, I would be (laughs) killing myself to be 115 pounds and I'm only five, four. It it would just be insane. And so we have these sometimes unrealistic expectations because also it's been maybe a long time since you've been there. It's been a long time since I was 115 pounds, (laughs) right? If, If I got a little uncomfortable, I could see my, you know, going, oh, Oh, yeah, that would be the weight I want to get down to. And you start working out, putting on a little muscle, understanding that your body's changed over time and uh, and that you could look different and be happy right, with a weight that is higher than your ideal body weight. The other thing we need to factor in and think about is your body's ideal weight set point, which isn't always what you want, right? (laughs) And how long you need to be at an ideal weight um, or be at a weight for your body to think this is your new weight in layman's terms, right? And that this is a weight that is okay with us. We're not going to keep bouncing around. And people experience that after crash diets and things. And even after even sustainable lifestyle changes where they get to maintenance and they may, you know, pull back a little on um, what they're doing as far as habits and looking after their nutrition and see that bounce around. I mean, same whether you're on the medication or off, you still have to hold that set point for your body for a significant amount of time for it to become your new body weight. That is just how the body works as women. And you talk a lot about metabolism, which is why it is, again, we've talked a little bit about side effects. But I do want to mention that many individuals believe that having no appetite on a GLP-1 medication is ideal and it's not. No. So we really want to talk about the fact that if you're not eating properly and often enough, your metabolism is going to slow down quite a bit on the medication. So that is why it is so important to be at a dose where you're still able to listen to what your body needs and, you know, eat three, maybe even six small meals a day, depending on your appetite and having strategies to be able to eat when you're not hungry. I have a whole section of my program titled what to do if you just don't feel like eating, because it is a reality for everyone, but we've got to make sure we're calorically filling, fueling our bodies, even with, with water and hydration. That's a struggle that I see many of the women that I work with on because they're just having an aversion to anything um, in their mouths as far as food or water um, goes. So again, would another, you think that means their dose is a little too high for them? In my opinion, oftentimes, yes, but I always like to see that um, it's very collaborative. I think patient clinician, as far as the dose that you're on, it's always important to like really have that conversation with your doctor and say that this is what I'm experiencing. It is important to to try the next dose as maybe you're experiencing a plateau or you're hearing food noise again or whatever's going on that's making you want to increase your dose, give it a few days and see if maybe that side effect goes away. Again, it's not uncommon to experience the nausea and the constipation, the diarrhea, the other issues as your dose titrates up. But maybe if it's been two weeks, like we really need to have a conversation with your doctor about what's going on. And do you think that titrating the medication up is the only way to break through plateaus? 
Not necessarily. And I also know that injection site has a lot to do with, you know, your plateau. So maybe you're experiencing a plateau, try your stomach instead of your thigh. That's a great tip. I've never heard that. Yes. We're, we're experiencing and seeing a lot of that in the field. So that is definitely something that you can change up. If you're experiencing a plateau is changing your injection site. A lot of people prefer their leg. My next one would always be my stomach, but it just depends on what you're comfortable with as well. What would you consider a plateau? How many weeks without a drop? Oh, wow. Um, I would probably say two to three Mm -hmm. would be a plateau, but I also really like to take into account my client's cycles. If they're at a menstruating age, that could have a lot to do with what's going on. We cycle either way, whether we're menstruating or not. So right. So lots of important factors to consider. Um, So really on a case-by-case basis, I would say, and also depending upon how are they eating? So that's always my first go-to. Are you eating the way you're supposed to be eating? So, And I always like, I mean, I know when we see big weight loss drops, we expect more big weight loss drops, but I think it's the same whether you're on the medication or not, where sometimes if you see big drops for a few weeks, that may slow down. And that's just your, that is your metabolism. The metabolism's goal is to get back to a homeostasis. So it's to figure out what the hell happened, right? Why did you lose all that weight? Because it's not natural for us to lose a lot of weight, right? Even though it can be better for us, right? When we're losing the weight, the body sometimes has to stop and take a break and go, is everybody okay, right? (laughs) And and that could be what's happening. And I see people run and jump to calling me, calling their doctor, call like, let's turn it up. Like, that's not always what needs to happen. It's not always the solution. Also the difference in weight loss and fat loss, you know, weight loss, we don't want to be losing muscle, which we also talked about earlier. So it's really important that we are maintaining that protein level to make sure that all that weight you're losing is not things that we want to hold on to. We were talking about not jumping to just titrate your medication up right away. If you are working out, your weight loss may be even a little slower than some people who are losing muscle because if we're if we are working out and and working to maintain our muscle, you may not have these super big drops like other people and I have women complain to me about that, but everybody's journey is different. Everybody's is their own and you just got to do you. So <laughs> don't Exactly. And it is hard as you lose weight rapidly. And even like looking in the mirror and I have many clients that will send me a before and after and they're like, I don't really even recognize myself like at this weight. I think a lot of it is, you know, we talk about it being so mental and just knowing like you're worthy of being able to feel your best and you're worthy of being able to look in the mirror and feel good about yourself. And to recognize who you are and that that is you like you're okay it's okay um so i think that's also another important thing to note yeah awesome well darby tell people how to find you i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and your experience with us today tell everyone how to find you i found you on instagram so you guys can for sure find her there look her up go ahead darby that's the best way to find me at the glp1 dietitian on Instagram. And I'm also on TikTok at the GLP one dietitian, and you can go and follow for lots of tips and tricks. And, um, there will be links in my bio to freebies and guides and even how to join my program. And I'd love to have you. We're kicking off the holiday months now talking about all things, Thanksgiving and alcohol and all of those nuances that come with being on a GLP one medication while, um, in the holidays. So yeah. 
Awesome, Darby. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us.